0: Welcome to the Women in CEO and Reflection podcast. I'm your guest host, Rachel Lavin. I am the author of The Donut Diaries. Tonight, I have Christine Swan. She is an internationally renowned I'm going to mess it up, but I just heard the word pastelist. (laughs) You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Christine has been designated an eminent pastelist by the International Association of Pastel Societies. There are only 25 artists in this medium in the world, and she is known for her personality portraits. She started out as an illustrator and is now an award-winning artist on the international level, including winning the IAPS Best of Show Pre-Day Pastel Master Circle Exhibition Award in 2020 and in 2015, I feel like I could go on and talk about you forever, but that's your job. So why don't you tell the audience a little more about you, Christine?
1: Sure, sure. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm kind of a, I guess a dusty girl, if you want to say I work in pastel. And so if you're not familiar with what pastel is, it's basically the same pigments Um, as oil paint or watercolor paint, it's just the dry form of it. So a lot of people like to call it chalk. So you think of them as being the little dry sticks kind of thing, but really chalk is actually a a totally different um, construct that's made of different stuff than pastel. Pastel is actually pure pigment, just like what you would use in oil paint or in watercolor paint. It just has different binders to it to keep it dry. So it's actually a very drawing medium, And I started as a graphic designer, like you said, an illustrator over 30 years ago. And I kind of moved into doing commission portrait work when my kids were really little and I couldn't run around and do graphic design work as as easily when you have a little baby in tow. (laughs) So I started playing with pastels again, really love them. And the love has just stuck all these years. And I bounce into oil. I also do oil painting and some other things too. But for some reason, the pastel has just been my go-to medium. And I just love the layerability of it. I've been doing commission portrait work now for over 25 years. Um, Professionally, that's what I do. I also teach. I teach um, classes on the structure of the head, on how to handle pastel. I travel around the country teaching to groups. And uh, I just love it. And I love sharing that love of that medium with other artists that maybe are new to it. So it's a lot of fun. Well, I
0: see your work behind you. And I've been (laughs) privy enough to see your work in person. And it's just breathtaking. I want to ask you, I know that you have like you said you've been in pastel but you took something so interesting and I want you to talk about that a little bit about your the artwork that you've done with the gold and I want you just to talk about first I want you to talk about why you started that and then maybe give people a little information about what kind what that art means so go ahead yeah
1: yeah. So two years ago, I um, obviously, well, three years ago, obviously 2020 affected all of us with COVID and I have three children. They all came home from college and, and everywhere. And I realized oh, I have three models on my hands. So this is awesome. And at the time I was reading a book about Kintsuki, which is the Japanese philosophy of. And, and you've probably seen it online where it's a vase or a teacup it started in the 14th century with the emperor of Japan, where he had his favorite teacup. He broke it and his artisans fixed it by re-gluing it and putting gold in the cracks. And so it's this actual philosophy that's actually a big part of their culture, which is that when someone goes through something, when something breaks, they're more valuable and more beautiful for having gone through that process of breaking and then repairing. And so they really do believe that about people too, that when someone goes through something, a trauma, um, any kind of health scare something like that, and you heal from it, you're actually stronger on the other side of it. So of course, you know, everything shut down 2020 and I thought, okay, I'm going to switch mediums a little bit. And I started picking up oil painting again. And so what I actually did was, uh, I did a series of 12 paintings that were all in oil, and each one of them is based on the idea of Kintsuki, that there are so many things in all of us that break and that we have to heal from. And so each of the paintings, unfortunately, I don't have one of those behind me here, but each of those paintings represents something that breaks in a human being. So your sense of hope, faith, peace, love um, your sense of innocence, your spirituality, your physical body. So each of those 12 represented very specific human elements. And so I did them on wooden panels, knowing that I wanted to cut them up so if, when you see the paintings online or you see them in person, um, take a good close look at them because I actually put them on wood panels and I took a saber saw to them and I cut them up in very specific ways, like you would think of as hope or like love. I have the love panel, which is my daughter who's married now. And I cut her her panel yeah, off the corners all the way around because sometimes love goes bad around the corners where you don't see it right away. You know, so each one of them is cut very deliberately. The spirituality panel is cut right through the heart. Um, Innocence, I have a young child that's it's shattered, almost like she shattered in a, like a rock just misses her and it goes right through her face. And so I cut them all up, reassembled them, re-glued them, and then 24 karat gold leafed each one of them. So they are an assemblage put back together again of an an oil paintings that are been, you know, dissected and put back together again. And it helps the work. They're definitely more powerful for having been cut up and a lot of be- people have said to me, "Well, how did you, you know, spend months, you know, doing this fine portraiture and oils and doing all these layers, and then you just take a saw to it?" And I said, "It was awesome. So <laughs> it was very exhilarating. It was very, very fun to do. And um, I um, really, really had a lot of success with that series, and it's been really fun. And I'm starting to add to that series again now. So yeah, yeah. Much,
2: are so- I'm oh, just shocked. Yeah. That you're about how long does it take to do something like this? Yeah, it yeah. took
1: over that two years amazing. to do that. I mean, experience.
2: I'm looking at all the pictures, the painting yeah. it's like your talent. <laughs> so like you always have that patience to take that much time for a work of art. <laughs> it's it's um, definitely a work of art.
1: You know what? I'm just like a pit bull. I say I can't cook. I can't sew. I can't bake, but I can paint. So, you know, I get up in the morning <laughs> thinking about painting. I go to bed at night thinking about painting. It's just it's so ingrained in me. It's not even work. It's just like who I am. It's so much ingrained in my life that I, when I say I'm going to work, I'm really not going to work. I'm just going to go create, you know, like I, I'm a creator more than anything else. And so, yeah, to be able to take, you know, a couple years and dedicate it to a series of paintings. And I was doing commission work at the time as well. And, you know, and there's always pieces that you do that fail and then you throw them in a corner. So yeah, I, I spend a lot of time on things like that.
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask you, and this is taking us back a little bit, but yeah. what Kind of art were you exposed to? And at what age did you realize that this was something that you wanted to do?
1: Yeah. um, Believe it or not, my earliest memory, and my mother swears I wasn't even three years old, was of drawing smiley faces. And you know, like little kids have the, you know, like a marker in your fist and you do an eye and an eye. And then you put the nose right between the eyes and do a little smiley face kind of thing. So it's got to be around that two year, 18 months age. And I remember I had a white binder and I remember doing that with my fist, you know. And I remember my mom looking at me and saying, well, when you draw, you draw what you see. Look, my nose is below the level of my eyes. And I, I, that was my earliest memory. Something in my brain clicked, like you draw what you see. And after that, it was like, I'm, and I was obsessed with faces. I was in second or third grade and I was drawing my dog. I was drawing my friends. I was drawing like, it was just so ingrained. I, I can't even imagine doing anything else. And even now I feel like people setting one person away from another or one child, I do a lot of commissioned portraits of children and, and finding the distinctions between what makes one child very distinct from another is like, I'll spend hours going after that, you know, I'll paint a tree and eh, it's a tree, but like little kids, you know, give me a little kid's nose anytime and I'm there, I'm, I'm all about it. So, (laughs) so yeah, Uh,
0: go ahead. No, and I was going to say later
1: on, I worked in, I went to college for graphic design and illustration. I was an illustrator for years and then had my own freelance business. I was doing a lot of freelance work and it wasn't until I had my first daughter that I realized I I just miss painting. I just need to go back to painting and I've just, just stayed there ever since. So,
0: when you had that realization that not only were you wanting to go back to something that was special and important to you, but how did you realize that you were going to create a business out of that and support yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean, when I'm right out of college, obviously, um, that's nearly impossible to do. And so I was working (laughs) in an advertising agency actually for a while. And it got to be the point where what I was making freelancing was more than what I was making at my full time job. And so once that shifted, then it was kind of like I was all in. And, and there were years, obviously, when I had, th- you know, I had three children and I was married and I had all these different things going on in my life that that ebbed and waned, you know, where I was, you know, some months you fe- it's feast or famine, right? Some months you're very busy, some months, everybody's sick. And, you know, I, I say it's so I switch between like work mode and mommy mode. All the time when my children were a lot younger. And so I don't know, it it just was this thing where I was always coming up with work or or painting somebody. And it it just, my life was my business. And so it just kept growing until finally I realized I don't need to work for anyone else anymore. I can do this and just keep raising my prices as I get better and better. And as I learn, you know, because we're always learning. And so, you know, what I'm doing five years from now is hopefully better than what I'm doing now. And I look back at things I did five years ago, and um, it's weaker. You know, you grow as an artist, and you just you just keep at it. And as long as you keep at it, you will advance. It's just this magical thing. It's yeah. I just wow. have to do
2: it. you know, I think yeah. about how you're ranked one of the best. Is that then, yeah, really yeah. impressive? I mean, how <laughs> did like did you think that 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 really helps your pricing, right?
1: <laughs> it, it does, does help. help. It does. Yeah. So yeah, the ranking for that is definitely in the pastel medium. So now I, I'm going after that in the oil. So, you know, there's different designations of masters and, you know, for different mediums and stuff like that. But there's something about the love has to come first. Like I love the medium so much and that somehow translates into the work and then people can see that in the work and then it does its own thing. I, I think a lot of people think, oh, I have to paint this for this show so I can win this. And, and it's it has to be backwards. You have to love it first before you share it. Like you have to be so passionate about something before you even think of entering in a show or doing something like that and then it'll take on a life of its own you don't have to worry about it and I found that to be true I have to go after what I love about a piece first or the story of it just like with the Kintsuki series and then and then they'll affect people that way you can't just say I'm gonna be in this show and plan something for it it just never works yeah.
0: well I met you because <laughs> you moved to Greenville and yeah, I moved recently be um connected because we live in the same building yes. but you yes. actually have an art studio where we live so yes. let's talk about that a little bit well yeah. first I want, I want yeah. to talk about why did you move here and then yeah. talk about how did you get the studio here
1: Absolutely. So I moved to Greenville last fall from Pittsburgh. Um, I guess you could say I was getting tired of the weather and just needed a change. And, and there was a it was funny. I had a list of things that I wanted more in the mountains, near the beach, better weather, and I wanted more of an artist community. And that was really, really important to me, more of a walkable city, a smaller city than Pittsburgh, but a very culturally rich a lot of artists, a, a bigger community. And I have to say, I did find that here. I, I looked all over the country actually, when I decided to move. And there were all different places I was looking at, Santa Fe and Charleston and different places. And I landed on Greenville because it was that sweet spot. It was kind of right in the middle, not too big, not too small, but it had a lot of culture. And you could see the rich artist culture here. I mean, there's a lot of artists here doing various different things, which is wonderful. And so for me, it was almost like it just. in one weekend, I just kept looking for things you know, I had this list and uh, Greenville kept coming up and I said, all right, I'm going to Greenville. So I'd never been here before. Actually, I have to admit, I didn't know anyone here. Um, I just picked up and moved lock, stock and barrel. And I'm actually coming to you live right now from the Greenville Center for Creative Arts, which is actually right next door to where we live in this wonderful cotton mill. So that's how Rachel and I know each other. And um, it was just serendipitous. I didn't realize when I moved into my apartment that the art center was right next door. So I got on their studio space and I just got this studio space a couple uh, months ago. And was, it's like my happy little second home here. It's one Wonderful. And the Art Center, if you're not familiar, is please look up Greenville Center for Creative Arts. They have a wonderful space here. I've been teaching um, and running some figure drawing sessions on Thursday nights from six to eight. Everyone's welcome to that. Just bring $10. We have live model and I give a lesson every night and we just draw for two hours. And it's really a wonderful camaraderie with a lot of artists show, showing up. So we're doing that. I have been teaching here just once a week just to kind of keep my hand in it, let people know that I'm here, but mostly I'm up on the second floor working, doing new career, uh, commissions. I also. Try travel and teach so I'll be back and forth a little bit but the art center here is actually wonderful so if you're in Greenville or anywhere near Greenville and you're not familiar with the art center please come down they have some really amazing exhibitions and um, yeah I think you'd be surprised at how amazing this little space is it's really great and there's I think about 16 art working studio artists here um, professional to right out of college we're all at different levels and it really is a very supportive community so it's really really nice I'm so happy for you. And so
0: you're still uh, traveling and doing shows and exhibits, right? Is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll be in Texas a couple times this fall with different organizations that have asked me to come and teach where I do more intensive workshops for three or four days. I'll be in Santa Fe next summer. You know, I bounce around um, now that everything's, you know, not so locked up. I'm getting back to traveling and being able to go and teach really work with models, teach in a new area, and then come home. I like doing that kind of burst of teaching rather than day in, day out, because I still like doing my own artwork. But when I can get away for a weekend and go see a new city somewhere, Houston or Santa Fe, somewhere like that, and just have a weekend where just intense learning goes on with people that are really hungry to learn about the portrait and about the figure, um, I'm all in. It's really fun. So, yeah. That is amazing. How, if you, do you mentor young uh, artists? Um, not so much young artists, but I do have a men- mentorship program where I'll take on an artist for a few months, um, you know, flat fee and they have access to me for a month. Typically, we kind of work on one thing. So say like somebody wants to work on their sense of color. So I'll send them a lesson on chroma, give them some assignments, work on something. I have had some artists that uh, really, you know, are just getting into the commissions, you know, and they're a little nervous. So they just want some handholding and I'll take a look at what they're doing and help them out. The thing that I can't do with mentorship, if someone is doing something for a show and I help them out or give them advice, now all of a sudden that piece now becomes a collaboration. So it's ineligible for um, any kind of jury exhibition because now it's no longer that artist piece. I'm helping them. So it becomes something different. But if it's a commission piece or, piece or they're just trying to learn, I can definitely help people out with that. And I've done that a lot over the last few years. So um, yeah, I'm really good at being honest with my students and telling them like it is, but they seem to like it. <laughs>
0: Have you ever had to tell anyone they needed to get a new career?
1: <laughs> no, no, I think well, we can always improve. It. We can always, yeah, pay, it's not like golf where you, you know, or, or a sport where you break your D or something and, and then you're done. No, painting, you can always progress. You can always progress. You can change things around or, you know, move to different mediums or something, but you can always progress in being an artist. Absolutely. <laughs> that is good. I just
0: wanted to ask you one more thing. You touched on yeah. it a little bit, but how does it feel like personally to, have like all these accolades and all these awards. I mean, you're a pretty big deal ladies. So <laughs> I just, you know, how,
1: how does that make you feel? You know, it, it, it's funny. I, I don't think people know me or know my work. I feel like that is what happened for so long. And one time I was on an airplane going to a, the pastel convention in Santa Fe, they have this big con- convention every two years and people got on the plane and they saw me carry around this big wooden pastel box. And they're like, oh, who are you? You know, cause they were trying to figure out who was <laughs> on the and I told them my name and they, and they literally freaked out. Like I had my 15 minutes of fame on the plane where people were freaking out that Oh, Christine Swan's on my plane. Like, and I was like, really? Like they, they know what I do. They know my work. But, and it, it kind of takes me by surprise because artists are so solitary, right? I mean, we work by ourselves, we show by ourselves typically. And then when we get out in the public and someone like recognizes a painting of my son or something, I'm actually quite surprised. So it, it kind of takes me aback still even now, which I guess is a good thing because I feel like, I think all artists suffer from this. We're never good enough. So we're always going after the next painting. We're always trying to improve. So I think it's a good thing not to think about all of that too much. Um, obviously I have goals and I'm you know, ambitious like any other artist that really wants to succeed. But it, it, I don't really think of that too much. And actually I've won awards and things and I, I know other artists that used to put you know, the awards on their walls and things like that, I have a box and I've thrown them all in a box. So I have a big box in storage full of ribbons and awards and certificates. And I know they're there and they're precious to me, but I don't feel like I need to see them or show them or do anything. Like they're like little markers of my life and that's about it. But and and I'm after the next award, (laughs) you know? So, yeah,
0: that's amazing. Have you ever had to, or do you have to give yourself a pep talk sometimes when Maybe yeah. a piece isn't going well or a piece didn't turn yeah. out the way you thought it was going to. How does oh, yeah. that look for you? It, it,
1: that's Yeah, I have people ask me that a lot. We're like, oh, you know, Christine Swan throws out a piece or, or something doesn't come together. Oh, absolutely. I have Mondays like anybody else. I have pieces that go sideways or I make decisions that I just can't back off from and it's better to start all over again. So I think a lot of people... And in magazines and in certain um like videos online, everything looks so effortless, right? You see this video and they're painting the head and everything looks beautiful and there's beautiful music playing and and you don't see the swearing behind the scenes. <laughs> you don't see the studies that were done ahead of time. It makes it look so easy. And it's actually an illusion. A lot of artists struggle. And I mean, a lot of even professional illustrators and, and portrait painters that I know, um, it could be a struggle all the way. I know some art living masters who are just brilliant painters um and that I've known for 30 years, and they still will send me painting of christine what's wrong with this like and it's amazing that we have that kind of dialogue still after they've been painting for so long and i've been painting for so long we're always trying to make it better and sometimes we struggle on how to do that so we need you know fresh eyes or whatever so yeah oh yeah it's it's always it, it is work even though it's my life it is work but it's fun work so
2: <laughs> well rachel we are running out of time it was such a great interview but christine i'm a pittsburgh a Pittsburgher back in pittsburgh i was in dallas for two years now i'm back in pittsburgh awesome. again so awesome. i started my host show in pittsburgh so i just had to bring that yeah. up
0: there rachel
2: so rachel i guess finishing up last question you have for christine to find information yeah. i have yeah.
0: two quick questions for yeah, you yeah. and i just want you to tell our listeners what empowers you every day to keep going to keep doing yeah. this to keep creating
1: yeah, it's the story. There's stories behind people and there's stories in people's faces. Like I can see it sometimes even just in being in the grocery store and I see someone's face and you can just get almost this aura, this feeling off of them. And then when I do have commissions or something and I find out about a story or I find out one little kid's feisty versus someone else who's shy, there's something there. You know, there's something about them that I just want to translate onto paper and capture. And so it seems like I always am full of ideas and I probably have too many ideas that I'll, more than I'll ever paint in, in my entire life, but it's that idea of going after that narrative, that story about someone that just, okay, today I'm, I'm going to figure out little Johnny today. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to represent him the way he is. And so, yeah, that, that keeps me getting up every morning and happy to go to work. <laughs> I love that so much. Okay. So
0: where can people find you and find your work? Tell Alice. Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my website is swanportraits.com and my last name is Swan with two N. So swanportraits.com. I do have some upcoming workshops. Um, I have an online workshop on September 23rd and 24th online through Zoom. So I have had people tune in. I started doing it through COVID and people from all over the world will tune into my workshops and I can teach you how to paint the head, understand light, find the structure of the head. and And I definitely can help you with pastel as well. So especially if you're new to it. And you can find me on Instagram, Christine Swan. You can find me on Facebook. And um, actually, for the next four days, I'm a faculty member of Pastel Live. So if you've heard of Pastel Lives, those of you out there that are familiar with um, Eric Rhodes and um, his interviews, podcasts, workshops and things they've been doing. So the next four days, I'll be part of Pastel Live and I'll be teaching a demonstration through that organization as well. So, yeah, just hit up SwanPorch.com. You'll find me. You'll find the Katsuki series on there. And um, drop me a line, say hi and let me know if you're in Greenville. I'd love to meet other artists. So, (laughs) that's so wonderful thank you so much for being here today i Ooh, love that. thank this. you
0: and i'll see you later <laughs> i will see you later around the mill <laughs> around the mill thank you for listening to women ceo in reflection to reach out to one of our guests their contact is in the description of the show do you want a total mindset transformation apply to mindset warrior the art of intentional thinking my personal coaching boot camp at iamamindsetwarrior.com And schedule your
2: call with me today. Thank you.